The fast times and big performances are starting to roll in from California, and it appears that by all measures, the tracks are hot this year. The Matsack Relays took place this past weekend, and they were no exception. With a ton of early season results rushing in, 2019 is shaping up to be a fast one. That seems especially true for two of our guests this week. John Gay ran an 836 season opener in the 3000 meter steeple, and his UBC teammate, Kieran Lum, blazed a quick 1340-5000 for a new PB. John's up first. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, at The Terminal Mile, on Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. John Gay has had one heck of a year, and it's only April. He kicked things off with a win at the St. Patrick's 5K in Vancouver in March with a 14.06. That was followed by a trip to Aarhus to don the Maple Leaf at World Cross. And all that led to this past weekend when he ran an 8.36 steeple at the Mount Sac Relays. We caught up with him earlier this week. And this year has been a crazy year for you, whether it be uh, breaking that BC soil record in the St. Patrick's Day 5K or going to compete at, at Aarhus or, you know, just this past weekend, uh, you know, at Mount Sac, getting that 836 uh, in in your steeple opener of the year. What, what has it been this year? Like what can you attribute to in your training that has just, you know, put you on that next level? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing this year has really just been consistency. Uh, I'm I'm still in school, which has been a bit of a blessing in that it's allowed me to maintain that same kind of academic course schedule where I have the flexibility to get out for a couple runs a day during the daylight hours, especially through the winter months, and just that maturity with com- that comes with being with a coach for as long as I've been with my coach, Chris Johnson, allows me to really know what what's coming and ex- and be expectant of the workouts that he's planning and the mileage that we're thinking of doing at any time in the year and I think just being able to put that all together consistently and I've been blessed with good health these last four or five months so that really is what I would attribute the the success I've had thus far to is just getting the miles in and hitting the workouts when it matters and also learning to recover and to rest when I need that as well. So, you know, mentioned the, the St. Patrick's Day 5K in there. That was chronologically, I, I guess, the, the first race in, in that string of, of uh, really good races uh, that happened. So, you know, I'd like to know what your thoughts were going into that and, and what, uh, what your strategy was going into that because, I mean, there was a lot of big names on that line. You know, it's, it's a course that's, or, you know, it's a race that, that's known for going out fast and stuff. Where, like, how did you see that race going into it? St. Patrick's Day is really unique in that it falls at a time of the year where most of the elites out west circle it on their calendars. There's no real indoor races at that point in the season, and it's before guys are really starting to narrow in their focus on running fast times on the track. So it works really nicely for me and for a lot of others in that you're quite fit, usually from a from a winter of hard training and big miles and looking for some way to kind of bust the rust and test your fitness and just got a bit of race experience under your belt. It's awesome because it's relatively low pressure. I mean, any race with a beer garden at the finish line, I think is guaranteed to be a lot of fun. And so that really brings a cool energy to the event. And it's something I've run a couple of times in the past and always really enjoyed doing and had fairly good success at. So going in this year, it was really, as I said, a, a test of fitness and an opportunity to 
just get into that rhythm of racing and preparing for a race and just seeing where I stepped up relative to past seasons and relative to some of the other guys out west here. You know, take a, take a look at that start list. You know, one one name that that pops out is Justin Kent, but I mean, like, there's, you know, that that field is always so deep year after year. You know, you're a guy who's coming out of university, who's had some some national team experience. Yes, but I mean, like those guys, you know, it's got to be a little bit intimidating. What, uh, you know, how were you feeling going into that race? You know, looking down the line. Justin was definitely the guy to beat as far as I was concerned going in. He had a great season both in cross country the previous fall and then on the track as well through the winter. And I knew through the grapevine that he was looking to push the pace and get after that course record, which was great because that was my intention as well. And I owe a lot of credit to him in that race for making it honest from the gun. It was pretty clear right from the, right from the go that he was – and it to go for a fast time, and I was happy to tag along, and luckily we were able to work off each other, although I think I probably worked off of him more than he did of me. He did a lot of the leading, especially in those early stages to wind it up. But, yeah, it's always great to, to race with Justin. I consider him a really good friend, and he's having incredible success right now, especially as he transitions a little bit more onto the road, because I'm sure you're aware he had a pretty convincing win at the Sun Run just a week and a half ago and you know i think that that was a long time coming he's such a talented athlete and um so humble and such a good ambassador for our sport so it was great to see him succeed there and always fun when i get the chance to race him as well and st patrick's day was was no different so from from there to to Aarhus, you know there's so much talk about that course uh you know give us the details was it as bad as they said it was and you know like how how was your training and, and preparation going into it you know with that knowledge that it was going to be pretty crazy as of a couple months ago you know you know michael i i've gotten the question a lot about what was your experience with the course and how hard was it really in in reality in reality as someone who raced it what was it like? Was it as hard as they say? And I've yet to truly find the words to describe the type of course it was, but um, the analogy I would draw is it was like a roller coaster. Just when you thought that you could settle in, you were either facing a wicked uphill or just a crazy steep technical downhill. And so it really it knocked you off any sort of rhythm the entire time. Um, and it really, right from the gun, it was, it was a, it was a suffer fest, but such a cool experience. And I think, really fortunate just to have had the opportunity to to be in the same race and on the same starting line as out as athletes of that caliber it's it's always such good racing experience even when you're half a mile back by the end of the race just to to know what they're capable of really is a sobering and a humbling experience and um again just always such an honor to represent canada so there's a couple of, of, you know, camps on this one that there's the, A, yeah, it was crazy, but it was an awesome course. We should have more cross-country courses like it. And B, that was a crazy course. I'm, you know, let's let's go back to our Canadian-American-style courses, uh, you yeah. know, a little, little bit flatter, a little bit faster. Uh, which, which one do you find yourself in? You know, I would say I'm somewhere right in the middle. I, I definitely agree that cross-country is in need of some shaking up. And I think that the organizing committee at Aarhus did a fantastic job of bringing some novelty back to the sport. That said, the, the technicality of the course was maybe, maybe a scooch too much. So I think 
they've put a marker out there as to the upper limits of what, what can be expected for a world cross. But for future years, my preference, and I certainly hope to run another world cross during the course of my career, would be something kind of in the middle. Definitely more technical and more true cross country than some of the golf courses that we have here in North America. But um, I certainly wouldn't be complaining if they didn't have that sort of steep hills or um, massive downhills like we had in Aarhus either. So I think somewhere right in the middle. Uh, it that really plays on a bunch of different strengths and different skill sets that cross country runners should expect to have, but without decimating the field in the same way that this course did. Well, what was recovery like for that? I mean, like, okay, so you know, I, I just ran the Boston Marathon, and mm-hmm. with those hills and stuff that were in there. Like I'm finding that my recovery is taking a lot longer than running a race like, say, Toronto that I did a couple of years with, without all those hills. So I, I have to think that running, you know, Aarhus, like that, that had to put some some damage on, on on your legs. Like, what was recovery like after that? You know, I bounced back quicker than I thought I would. Uh, definitely some neuromuscular fatigue from those downhills, especially just the pounding when you're trying to let the legs spin as much as possible. Um, it does catch up with you, especially in the in the ensuing days. But for that, I think I have to credit my steeplechase training a lot because it does play on that neuromuscular system and kind of that plyometric um, power and the fatigue that goes along with that was something that I've been working on a lot for my track career throughout the winter. And so I think that definitely helped with bouncing back. Um, obviously, still plenty of fatigue afterwards, but compared to past cross-country races for myself or the experience of some of my teammates that I, who I've talked to since, I, I think I fared fairly well, which was great because it was a couple of weeks and then back into trap season after that. Yeah, I mean, the the, the turnaround was was really quick. You, you raced at Mount Sac uh, just a couple of weeks ago. What what were the, the transition workouts like? I mean, going from 10K with tons of hills and, and that sort of stuff to, you know, a 3K race on the track. What what did you do to, you know, kind of sharpen things up and, and speed things up? Not a lot changed, to be honest. I have to credit Chris Johnson, my, my coach, and Norm Tinker, my assistant coach, for really putting in place a, what I thought was a, a very wise program kind of right from the start of 2019. And once I knew that I was racing World Cross, they did a good job of keeping me in touch with that more aerobic and strength-based system, but recognizing that the long-term focus was really on the on the track later in the year. So I think that w- what we did through the winter was a lot of really long, grinding hills, kind of once a week sort of thing, as, as long as even kind of 1K hill repeats, which were brutal, but they always kept us in touch with, with the track speed necessary for for the steeplechase and lots of hurdling as well. So after World Cross, it was really just a, a matter of recovering and then tuning up with a little bit more work in spikes and some quicker reps to, to make me feel sharp. But the, the fitness was definitely there, and they had done a really good job of preparing me kind of throughout the winter for, for the inevitable track season. So you you go from there and, you know, you're preparing for Mount Sac. Going into there, you end up running, you know, 836, which is a, a fantastic time. What what were expectations like going into that race? The the season opener is always a, a bit of a crapshoot because, as I've, as I've said before, 
Um, it's one thing to, to put down some really good training for for months, and especially in the winter when there's not a whole lot of racing to interrupt that training, you can get yourself into really good shape. But it's always a little bit of uncertainty when you toe the line for the first time because um, it's it's a bit different to to do it in practice than it is to do it in a race. And and Mount Sac is a big meet, and there's some nerves and jitters that go along with that, especially when in a while since you've dealt with stuff like the call room or traveling down for a race. So definitely some nervous energy, but I I think the my experience in university especially has done a good job of preparing me to, to enter races confident and kind of know where I'm at fitness-wise and adjust my expectations to that point. And this race was no different. I think I I knew from, from every indication in training in the past, couple races I'd done on the road or at World Cross that I was in pretty good shape. And Mount Sac really was just an opportunity to go out there and get back in touch with that specific track racing feel and hopefully go for the win as well, which ended up panning out for me. And yeah, just a really positive, positive opener. You know, watching watching Siebel on, you know, the professional level and that sort of stuff, there seems to be... This giant differentiation uh, in the field between the people who are very technical and, you know, and take that that part of the sport very, very seriously and those who, you know, just can can run really fast and, you know, the the technical parts of it don't seem to matter as much. Where where do you feel that you're at with, uh, you know, your hurdling technique and, and the water jumps and that sort of stuff? I think historically I've been more of the latter where I've focused a lot on, on the fitness side of things and just kind of grinded out a 3K race that happened to have hurdles every 80 meters or so. Um, and that certainly would have been my answer even a year ago. But this past season, we recognized a real deficit in my technical ability, especially in the efficiency over the hurdles. And it's been something that I've addressed very diligently these past five months or so with, with my coach. Um, so we've been incorporating hurdles multiple times each week since late November, which is something new for me. Um, typically, I would only have started with the technical drills kind of early March, late February, but this time we've, we, we started a lot earlier, and, and that's been really helpful. My flexibility has been terrible for as long as I remember, and um, it's a, a bit of a push and pull when you're trying to run big miles, but also stay <laughs> flexible and limber for the steeplechase because those are two kind of polarly different different systems that you're trying to trying to work so we we just put in a lot of technical work and recognize that that the fitness has been there in past years and it's really been inhibited by a lack of technical ability where i've been tying up at the end of races and costing myself a lot of energy just trying to survive the the steeplechase especially in the last few laps of of important races. So um, I'd like to start saying that I'm, I'm more of a technical runner, but, but I hope to never pigeonhole myself as just a technical guy. I, I still love racing flat races and I think it's very important to be competing at the highest level in the steeplechase that you have that, that flat track ability. And so as much as I keep working on the, on the technical side of things, I never want that to come at the expense of pure running fitness or, ability over a flat 3k or a 5k or a 15 for instance you know it it doesn't seem like it was that long ago but 
um, you know, I guess I guess it was last Olympics we had such a strong contingent of guys. We, we had Taylor Milne, we had Chris Winter, we had Alex Genet, uh, and Matt Hughes, who is is still around. But you know, a lot of those guys mm-hmm. they they retired, and it kind of left this void uh, in the event. Now mm-hmm. we we have an Olympic year coming up next year. What's what's your read of the sport right now and end of the event? You know, can we expect a lot more as far as Canadian steeplechase goes? I hope so. You know, there was really a changing of the guard after that last Olympic cycle, and I think that's something most pundits within Canadian track and field expected. A lot of those guys were coming to the end of very long and successful careers. Um, I had the privilege of training with Chris for a little bit in his lead-up to Rio, and that was really a turning point for me, just watching him and his process as he prepared for, for an Olympic um, for an Olympic standard attempt and eventually for, for the Olympics themselves. And that really, that really instilled in me a, a belief that it was doable um, and the Olympics really started becoming uh, feasible at that point for me. In the last couple of years, we've seen a big drop-off after, after Matthews. Um, there's, there hasn't been that same level of depth as in past years, which in some ways has been a blessing for younger guys like myself and Jean-Simon de Gagné. To, to really climb up the ranks and, and get some cool national team experiences that we may, might not otherwise have had. And I think we're going to start seeing a return to that same level of depth that we saw four, five, six years ago in, in the steeplechase over these coming seasons as, as we grow into maturity and into, into the senior ranks. Um, and it's really cool to see. I, my, my sights are certainly set on continuing to, to strive for for those world team berths and those Olympic um, games qualifying times. And I think the best thing for that is great competition amongst, amongst my countrymen. And I, I really hope that we continue to see progress from some of the younger guys. I noticed Ryan Smeaton, who's a young guy coming up the pipes, just ran an 841 a couple weeks ago. So it's cool to start seeing some younger names getting in breaking through to that next level and i think it only bodes well for for the future of the steeplechase in canada you know um you mentioned that you're still in school you you ran your your last race for ubc um this past fall at the at the u sport championships uh in cross country um now the the options are on the table for you you know you expect express interest in in continuing to run you've uh you've talked a lot about chris coach chris and you know i've I've heard some amazing things about him but i mean like you're out in bc there there's bsep there's uh you know also what's happening in victoria as well too have you thought about mm-hmm. you know where, where you're going to go after school's done definitely um I'll start by saying that I, I wrap up my, my master's degree in about a month here. And after that, it really is a, a bit of a turning point where I, for the first time in five years, have some flexibility to make those decisions regarding where I see my career being built from. Um, and it's something that I've definitely thought about a lot. But over the course of the last year, 18 months, it's become very, very clear to me that staying with Vancouver Thunderbirds and with Chris Johnson and Norm Kinkum is is in my best interest and I think in the best interest of my long-term development as an athlete. We've just had such great success together. Um, Chris is, is an especially gifted coach and his level of dedication and the care that he pours into every one of his, his athletes is second to none. And I've, I've experienced great success under him and I have every confidence in his ability to 
to pilot me and to pilot my teammates to wherever our aspirations lie. So moving forward, I'm really looking forward to staying with Vancouver Thunderbirds. We have a great system out here at the university where we're partnered with the varsity group. And um, yeah, there's, there's so much good happening within our team right now that it's a, an exciting time and an exciting place to be. You know, speaking of, uh, of that varsity team and some good things happening there, I also have Kieran Lum on, on the, uh, on the show this week, and he just put down a huge one in the, in the 5K uh, the, this past weekend. You know, between that uh, and and your own steeplechase uh, race, you know, and just you know, a ton of good results happening out of there. What, what's that done for the you know the whole makeup of the team and, and the mentality of the team going forward this season? Oh, I think it's been nothing but positive. Um, yeah, huge shout out to Kieran for for laying down a time like that. I think it comes as a surprise only to those who haven't been around to watch him train day in and day out but he he brings an intensity and a focus and I think especially in a a maturity to his training that you really don't see very often at all especially amongst varsity athletes and to see him finally be given the opportunity to to run to his potential and to seize that opportunity in the way that he did last Friday is so gratifying to see as a, even as a teammate and a training partner um, just so exciting to see and it really is indicative of, of the direction that our program is heading and as a, I suppose as a proud alumni now of the UBC program I'm so excited for the future that's in store for them because there's a lot of talent coming through the pipes right now I, I think guys like Tyler Dozy as well are on their way up and continuing to to succeed and it's just going to become more and more the norm for for times like Kieran's to be run as we continue to raise the bar of expectations and and the level of excellence that our athletes are expecting from themselves. So, um, yeah, just nothing but good things to say about him and his character has been very, such a positive for the team. He's really stepped into a leadership role this year. Kieran has, um, and it's setting a precedent amongst, amongst Canadian universities that, excellence is expected and that we can be as good as any um, program to the south of us. You know, what can you tell us about Kieran that we should know that he's not going to tell us? Is is there anything that uh, that you'd like to pass along there? <laughs> wow, I think, you know, when I think of Kieran, I just think of focus. Um I I have the privilege of training with him almost every day, day in and day out, and he has this ability to to turn to flip the switch and be really on when it matters. Um, but at the same time, he does such a good job of of being very grounded and and the humility that he brings and the selflessness that he brings to to the varsity team dynamic is is something huge. And I'm confident that that will that will show through and in. in your conversations with him. I hope you have the chance of meeting him in person one day because he is such a, a outstanding young man. But as far as things that he probably wouldn't reveal to you himself, uh, and this probably comes as not a huge surprise because it's probably more common than not amongst distance runners, especially at the level of him. But he uh, he can he's incredibly incredibly focused and almost almost to a fault at times in the year he he can become kind of obsessive over details. And I think 
I have to take a lot of a lot of the blame for that. I I had the privilege, I guess, of being a senior when he came into the university program, and he came in fairly raw. He'd come from a cross-country skiing background and knew virtually nothing about track and field, and he's still learning a lot about the nature of our sport, and his raw talent is finally starting to be matched with which, with some experience, which is a deadly combo, but um, he brings a real a real innocence to it as well. Like he's He questions everything, and he is willing to learn and to grow and to um, experiment. And I think that that's been huge in him kind of finding out what works for him, the, the routines and the rituals that he's incorporated into his race prep that really allow him to to bring a focus that is pretty pretty potent. All right. So moving on into the rest of the season, it's going to be a big one for you, and uh, no doubt uh, people want to follow along. So where where can we watch you next after this? Yeah, and um, it does really start winding into into the busy season now for me. So a week from now, I'll be down at Peyton Jordan in Palo Alto, and hopefully looking to run another quick time down there. And then two weeks later, back down to Southern California for the USATF distance classic which is where my current pb is from it's a a couple years old now so i'll be looking to finally erase that one and knock knock my time down a few pegs and then after that it really is wide open i'll be doing some pacing duties hopefully at the pacific distance carnival they've assembled a fantastic field for the canadian 10k champs and i'm hoping i can help as many guys along to a fast time as possible i'll be looking to pace that one and then um, out west, we always circle the Harry Jerome on our calendar. And then after that, it's at the whims of Athletics Canada, I suppose. And um, my eyes are really set on making as many national teams as I can this summer. So FIZU, Pan Am, and hopefully Doha for the World Championships, if all goes according to plan and all lines up. But yeah, definitely a busy summer ahead and a really exciting time right now. Man, well, we are super excited to watch it, especially uh, especially after what happened at Mount Sac, and you know all the all the best going forward uh, in this season. And thanks so much for being on the show this week, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, the pleasure has been all mine, Michael. Thank you for having me on the show, and all the best to you and your summer training and racing plans as well. Kieran Lum is a runner who is really starting to come into his own on the track, taking a significant chunk off his 5K PB last year and kicking off his season with a 4.13 road 5K. It wasn't a question of if he'd PB, but by how much. Of course, he didn't disappoint with a 13.45,000 at the Mount Sac Relays last week. All right, so you know, huge result for you this this past weekend, running 13.40. Um, you know, and we'll definitely get to that, but perhaps we should we should start. Uh, let's go a little over a month ago at the St. Patrick's Day uh, 5K. You ran 14:13 there. Uh, you came in third place, which is just is mind-boggling to me that there is a race where you will come in third with with a 14:13. Um, talk to me a little <laughs> bit about that race. I mean, like, where were you at with your fitness and your season? Like, what were your goals for that race going in? And did things kind of pan out the way that you thought they would? Um, absolutely. So I think, yeah, for the St. Patty's Day race, um, that was uh, the first race in almost, uh, I want to say, probably six months or so uh, for me. 
uh, because I spent the last semester uh, on exchange in Singapore. And so I didn't race last fall at all. So it was kind of a nice rough buster um, to kind of see where the fitness was. Um, and uh, how it actually played out is John and Justin shot off super quickly uh, the first mile um, because there's a, a mile bonus. So whoever makes it to the first mile uh, and finishes within a minute of the leader, uh, there's a bonus for them. Uh, so they shot off really quickly. And even in the first 200 meters or so, uh, I was out of contact with them. And I ran most of the race pretty much uh, alone. And then the last K or so, um, it's pretty much all uphill. So I knew that's kind of where I wanted to capitalize uh, on them having gone out hard. So I think I closed maybe 10 seconds or so on Justin in the last K and caught him, but not quite. So he, uh, we had a sprint of a line and he uh, edged me out. I mean, what, what's that like to, to be on a line with, with guys like that? And, you know, we were talking before, I mean, like, if people were healthy, we could have potentially seen, you know, Luke Boucher, Evan Esselink on that line as well, too. Just having access to runners who, you know, like, are at the top of their game right now. What, what is it like to be living in a community like that? Oh, it's great. I, uh, I really enjoy the atmosphere and, and the energy, uh, especially in, in the kind of West Coast distance running scene right now. I think there's a lot of, a lot of guys that are uh, seeing big progress and big breakthroughs, and there's a really good energy that we have out here. So, yeah, it's cool to be in, in races where um, where 14, 13 or 14, 15 gets you like third place in a road race. Um, like you mentioned, I think had Luke uh, been healthy and Evan Esselink and a few other guys would have seen, yeah, really great results uh, and even deeper fields. So, yeah, it's really cool to, to have that atmosphere in Vancouver. So you go from that to just a couple weeks after that, you, you ran a 1500 meter, you ran a 345.86. Uh, that was also in Vancouver. Talk to me a little bit about that race. How did, how did that play out? And, and, you know, like, how did you feel after that race? Yeah, that was, um, that was so the UBC open is where I ran that. And that's kind of our home meet. Um, so it's, yeah, it's the first track race of the season. Um, for me and it's kind of I've had some great workouts leading up to that um, mostly mostly distant um, mostly longer distance focused on 5k but um, decided to race the 15 there and actually I got uh, a friend to pace me through uh, through 600 and he actually took me through 700 and then I ran the rest of it alone and um, yeah so that was a that was a big personal best for me, and I was really happy with that um, for the first race of the season. So definitely that gave me a, a lot of confidence going in to, uh, to the California race, um, which, uh, which is great because I think confidence is, is super important. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just taking a look at at um, you know your progression in the five thousand right now. In 2017, you ran you know 1417. 
uh, you know, took 15 seconds off uh, between then and 2018. And then, you know, at Mount Sac, you, you took another, you know, 22 seconds off. That's, I mean, like, that's huge jumps when, you, when you're running that fast. I mean, like, do you not get, you know, mentally caught up in, in, in that sort of stuff? I mean, a lot of racers, you know, will say, okay, well, this is what my personal best time was before you know like this is what i should go out at and that sort of stuff like how do you mentally get in the shape to take that much time off of your pbs that's a good question um yeah i think for me the mental aspect of performance is something i definitely take very seriously and i think it's um it's where personally i think i've i've made a lot of like improvements or gains. Um, I think a part of that comes from workouts. Like if you're, if you're hitting paces and workouts and they're feeling, you know, like you could, you could hold on for 12 and a half laps or, or three and three quarter laps at that pace. Then you know that, you know, you've done the work and you just need to actually go do it. Um, for real on, the, on the track. So, um, yeah, I think mentally preparing for big breakthroughs like that is something that's not easy necessarily to do. Um, for me, I think what helps a lot is, is visualizing races, uh, visualizing like the lead up to races and even maybe like the travel surrounding races. Um, that's something I found helps quite a bit. What is your travel routine? I mean, like everyone's got kind of like I, at this point, you know, you've been on on a few trips and stuff. Like, what what do you do from from the time you get there to the time that you step to to the race line to make sure that you are as fresh as as can possibly be? Well, I think for me, uh, just like if it's a flyaway where fly away race, uh, definitely making sure that staying well hydrated through the travel day, um, wearing compression socks, stuff like that. Uh, also, just making sure you're having fun. A lot of these trips are, like, you know, they're with teammates, they're with, like, your closest friends. So I find keeping, like, a, a really positive atmosphere and joking around and, and stuff like that, um, obviously while still maintaining focus, is, uh, is something that makes the travel... Uh, and the stress of travel a lot easier. And then once I've got to the uh, got to the place, yeah, just trying to maybe do a shakeout run and relax. Um, to be honest with with a lot of the the races I run, the races aren't until nine or sometimes even ten at night. So kind of have an entire day on your hands where yeah, there's not a lot to do. So. Usually, uh, oftentimes I'm with John and, yeah, we'll do a shakeout in the morning, have breakfast, pretty much just relax and listen to music. Uh, oftentimes we'll watch like old Diamond League races and, and stuff like that. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of important, I think, to stay loose and, uh, yeah, just have fun throughout the day. So you run, you know, at Mount Sac, you, you run this in- incredible race. You cross the line in 1340. Um, you take a look at the clock. What uh, What's your first reaction when you see that time? 
Yeah, it's really great to travel. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's really fun doing these train trips, and it's something I really enjoy and I look forward to. And especially when everyone's running great times. That night in particular, I, I look because the, it's kind of a hectic weekend in L.A., and there's three different meets, so I had some teammates racing that morning at the Beach Invitational, and some at Brian Clay, and then I was at Mount Sac, so... Unfortunately, I didn't actually get to watch a lot of their races in person. Um, but, yeah, that night, I think we had maybe like four or five people all run personal bests. So it's a great energy that we have at UBC right now. And, um, yeah, our coaches, Norm and CJ, are really doing something right. Um, people are running fast time. So it's a great kind of momentum um, that we have uh, at this outdoor season. So thirteen forty, where where do you go from here? I mean, like, what else do you have uh, on the schedule for this year? And do you have any sort of goals as far as times that you want to hit or teams that you want to make? Yeah. So uh, going forward, the next race I have is actually a week from today. Uh, at least when we're chatting. So it's Peyton Jordan. Um, next Thursday in Stanford. Um, so, yeah, fortunately, 14.30 got me into the meet and uh, really looking forward to just being in, a, in the meet with a bunch of, bunch of really quick runners and big names. So I think it will be a great experience um, to be exposed to that kind of level of competition. Um, as far as goals this season, definitely hoping to either make the... Uh, NACAC U23 team or the uh, FISU team. Um, so a lot of that depends on kind of how other runners' uh, seasons go and what, what kind of teams they decide to make. Um, yeah, I think I try not to focus too, too much on, on time goals because I found really it's easy to get hung up on specific times. Um, but... Yeah, just kind of see where the season takes me from here. You know, I'll 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 end this one off with the the same question that I, I ask your teammate John. Uh, well, modified a little bit, but same same type of question. I ask him uh, what he could say about you that you wouldn't say about yourself, and uh, we'll flip that on him. What would you say about uh, John that perhaps he wouldn't say about himself? John's a very very humble person, and he would definitely not be one to, uh, I guess, maybe fully take credit for for all of his success um, and fully. He would. He's not someone to to brag. He's very humble and stuff like that. So I'm. Not, I just. I'm not quite sure how to uh, how to answer that question, but. This season in particular, I've really enjoyed the energy that John and I have had training together. Um, it's been an awesome training partner in workouts and off days, on and off the track. It's something that uh, has really pushed me this season. I'm incredibly grateful for. Well, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch so far this season. I mean, you guys are both killing it. And uh, 
I, I hope to see more from you guys this season as well too and in the future it sounds like he'll he'll be training with, with the guys for for a lot longer as well too and man just congratulations that's such a huge milestone you know a going under under 14 but just you know doing it in the style that you did that's huge and uh you know like i said i hope to see a lot more from you this season as well too thanks a lot for being on the show man great thank you so much it's a real pleasure to be on the show well that wraps up another edition of the terminal mile big thanks to john and kieran as well as tracking for their ongoing support Quick note that we now have a weekly wrap-up show that's available on this feed at the beginning of every week. You can hear the latest Canadian track and field news in less time than it takes to drink a coffee. Of course, you can find that and this on tracky.ca, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, with just about every other streaming platform out there as well. If you'd like, subscribe, leave a comment. We enjoy hearing from you. You can find us on social media as well, at The Terminal Mile on both Instagram and Twitter. And we also have a Facebook page now as well, so be sure to toss us a like there. You've been listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. (laughs) ¶¶